Alrighty, welcome to the Rogue O'Tours podcast. Uh, my name is Chad Durham. I'm Jake Hampton. And we are this week going to rank the movies of Spike Jones, our personal preferences for the order of the greatness of Spike Jones's movies. As usual, we try not to talk to one another first, just because it's more fun and spontaneous. Um, it was interesting with this one before we, I mean, we're going we're gonna to talk about some of the movies mostly that Jake saw and a couple that I saw, but... Um, it, I, I found that, and I know I say this almost every time, but I found that this was even harder for me than Jared Hess or Christopher Nolan. Really? Yeah, it was for me. And the Christopher Nolan one was hard because there were just so many. Yeah, that's There true. were nine, and I thought the quality was all really good. Here, I feel like, for me, the separation was even smaller than any of those, because there were only four. Yeah, that's true. And they're all, in my opinion, again, we haven't talked a lot, super high quality. Okay. Um, and, and so are Christopher Nolan's like, I'm not, I'm not slandering Christopher Nolan, who's amazing. And one of, one of my favorites. And I think one of your favorites too. Um, but Spike, Spike Jones's are just so, you know, ingenious and creative and weird, but in all the right ways that I, I found myself having to nitpick to even find an order, if that makes sense. Plus, and this is, you know, this will be shared later. One of his four movies I've seen a lot more times than the others. Me too. And that like, and I think it's a different one for you yeah, and I. It is. Um, and that so that gives bias to that right. movie, which I, which is it is what it is. You know, I yeah. can't. There are reasons why I watch the one right. more than the other. Because so, I love it, I watched it yeah, so many times. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, as always, uh, we'd love it if we had some interaction. We heard from some people. Um, on the Romantic Comedy Podcast, at least a few people. Uh, Jen Palomino on Twitter gave some feedback on some things that she loved. And um, I know that uh, Krista, who was our guest expert, got a lot of feedback from some of her friends who listened because she was on the podcast with us. Um, so we'd love at, at CDurham99, at JacobHampton26, and of course at Rogue O'Tours. Um, and then you can comment on the Facebook page as well. But to jump right in, um, Jake has seen a lot of movies and... I'm I'm especially interested to hear. I mean, he and I have talked, but to hear some of his thoughts on Moonlight, which he saw uh, just a few days ago. But if you want to hit up some of the other ones and and yeah. kind of you can just run through them all, and then I'll I'll come in with my lowly couple. <laughs> <laughs> I'll run through. Yeah, comment if you want. I I mean I I've seen so I counted five. I've seen five movies in theaters since we last podcasted, which I feel great about. Nice. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> I writ I I guess I only wrote a review for one of them. Um, and so you can read most of my thoughts about certain women, um, which uh, I really enjoyed a lot. Um, it's a basically a collection of short stories um, about three different women, um, and one of whom is not Kristen Stewart, actually, which the advertising really? makes it look like it is. Yeah, but she's a she's a an outside force in one of the stories. Anyway, she's that really is interesting. good. Yeah. Um, it's because the, the, the woman that story is about is pretty much a newcomer and she's really great. Her name is Lily Gladstone. Michelle, oh, sorry. Say her name again. Lily Gladstone. I think. Maybe. Probably. <laughs> so it's Laura Dern, Michelle Williams, and, and Lily, Lily Gladstone, Gladstone with Kristen Stewart <laughs> in the periphery <laughs> right. of, of the Lily Gladstone yeah. story. Got mm-hmm. it. Got it. Yeah. Um, so it's really slow. It's the kind of movie, um, it's appeals to a really small amount of people, I think, just because 
most people want to go to the movies to forget about how mundane life can be and have a good time, and this is the kind of movie that wants to challenge that. Um, and you, but you can read my review about that. I, I go into that. Um, but I recommend it if you, if you're, if that appeals to you at all. Just a, um, short story film. Nice. Um, that challenges, you know, life. Cool. Cool. <laughs> um, Okay, another one I saw. I don't think I told you about this one. No, I took a sneak peek at your notes right then. Uh, my sister, Krista, also uh-huh. just recently saw that. Oh, I Christine. Think. Yeah, Christine. Yeah. Um, With Rebecca Hall. Yeah, who is so good. I've only seen, I've seen her in like The Prestige and yeah. then The Gift. I think that's all I've seen her in. Oh man, I saw her in something else she was really good in and I can't remember what it uh-huh. is. But she's and, good. And all of our all of our like devices to look stuff up are currently being used. Oh, I know. <laughs> but yeah, um, she's great. I like her a lot. Yeah, definitely. In the other movie I'm not, that I can't remember, she was also very good. Uh-huh, yeah. So um, if you don't know, Christine is about... Um, I mean, it, it'd be interesting if you didn't know the history already, but since it's history, I guess I'll, I'll spoil it. But yeah. it's about a, um, news reporter in the seventies who killed, well, she shot herself in the head on, on live television. I was going to say live, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you can't make that stuff up. No, you can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's basically just a character study of, of her, Christine, leading up to that moment, what brought her to that place, basically. Um, Rebecca Hall is amazing. I I won't be surprised if she gets a Best Actress nomination. Um, I don't think the movie would be nominated for Best Picture, but um, it's entertaining. It right. just it has a small feel. Um, just I don't know, really self contained. Um, and it's uh, you have Michael C. Hall in it as well. He's good. Oh, yeah. um, I like little Dexter. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, if you like. Uh, I mean, it's it's dark, but it doesn't. It, it I think it was overall uplifting and, oh, good. and ref- reflective. Because so. with a movie that's going to that location, mm-hmm. if you will, yeah, there's a sense of like dread. And I think even my sister said she, she liked it too, but she said you just knew what it was building toward, and that was hard. Yeah, because you knew exactly that it was going to end with this pretty pretty tragic circumstance. Right, but it's not. It doesn't feel um, exploitative at all. Nice. Um, okay, so I also saw Doctor Strange. Oh yeah. Which you haven't seen. No, no, but I'm hoping this week. Okay. Um, I the I kids want to go, and I think I'll let them go. So right, that we'll have to. It'll take some fin- scheduling. So that we can <laughs> go. Sure. Um, gosh, it's all. I don't. I never know how much to redo with my superhero rant. Um, well, yeah, I was gonna say just I I I texted Jake about it, and he just said like. Not good enough, really, to combat superhero fatigue. Yeah, which is the the problem, and we've, we've discussed it. Go listen to the Marvel Cinematic Universe one. We have. It's a thing. It's a thing, and 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 it's really going to be hard for them to to fully combat it. Right. Because yeah, any any origin story they do, I feel is going to feel fatiguey unless it's unless they do something totally different. Which this one was different kinds of. Stuff than you normally see, I guess, with like the whole trippy aspect of it. Right. Um, but I but just as far as hitting all the same Marvel beats, it didn't feel much different to me that yeah. way. Even people who who liked it, critics who gave it a positive review, said incredibly similar things. Mm-hmm. Like I liked the weird stuff. I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was great, but ultimately, it's the same plot line that you always have in these origin stories. Yeah. And I haven't seen it, but and then. The same kind of climactic battle scene that right. you normally see, and yeah, I was um, the the initial like uh, trippy sequence when he first um, 
gets in, I can't even remember all the terminology <laughs> from the movie. When he first gets involved with Tilda Swinton. Right, I was going to um, say Tilda Swinton, right? Yeah. Um, that sequence is amazing. <laughs> that was worth IMAX 3D alone. But, yeah, it, it, and even with, like, even the character, um, I, obviously they draw from comic books, but I just felt, I don't know, you can't, you can only have so many middle-aged, snarky white guys, you know? Like, w- once we get Iron Man, Ant-Man, and Doctor Strange all together, I think their personalities will all start to seem... Seeming samey and... Seeming samey, yeah. But... I'm, but it's entertaining. I mean, right. it's it made a lot of money for a reason. It's it, it's. I wanted it to be time. better though, and I know I haven't seen it yet, but you know we've had a lot of similar thoughts, and I, yeah. I wanted it to be just this mind blowing surprise of like, whoa, it's so weird and different, and takes you on this new trip. So, I mean, I'm I'm a smidge disappointed even in advance of seeing it. Yeah, sorry. Oh no. Um. Okay. And so then I heard I, from everybody. Not yeah. Not just me. No. Okay. I also saw Hexar Ridge. Oh yeah, nice. I know. Which I how I got? I don't know if I've gone on record, but I hate war movies. Oh, nice. Um, right. We talked briefly about Christopher Nolan doing a war movie. Oh, that's right. We, we were, did. We were interested because neither of us loves them very much. I don't hate them, but I don't love them. Yeah, um, I did like this one. I was interested in the premise, basically, yeah. of him being a um, conscient. What's the word? Conscientious, conscientious objector. objector. Nailed um, it. <laughs> in, in unison. Um, th- that aspect of it was interesting to me, um, just thematically, and it it mostly it mostly worked for me. I enjoyed it a lot. It's one thing that surprised me. It's very. It feels very lighthearted. Not for lighthearted. The first half. Not yeah. Not lighthearted. That's the wrong word. But like, sure. um, just kind of like, I don't know. Just like a standard warm period piece drama type feeling and so once they get into the battlefield the violence is really shocking yeah, because that's it's what i heard it's like yeah it, it can compete with horror movies on, on well i, I mean and i'm parroting entertainment weekly but they said a very similar thing there's mm-hmm. it's almost like two movies yeah and the second half is visceral and gritty and violent and bloody and you're like whoa because the first half felt very staid and right and kind of yeah period piece beats yeah mm-hmm but but it was interesting. It was um, well directed? Question mark? Mel Gibson. Oh yeah, Mel and his first one since uh, uh, he Mopaka did. Oh maybe so. Know. He may have done one in the middle. I can't remember. I you can't, might be right. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't even seen Apocalypse anyway. But N- nor I. Sorry, um, Mel. Braveheart <laughs> yeah. was good though, buddy. What was Braveheart? Oh okay. I haven't even seen Braveheart. I shouldn't admit <laughs> things like back. that. But okay. <laughs> but generally recommended, um, even if you don't like war movies, I guess, is my unique take on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like war movies. Nice. And, and now the... Finally, the, the big the crown jewel. <laughs> Moonlight. Uh, I'm kind of speechless. I don't know what the first thing I should say about it, because... I don't know. Yet I also don't... Uh, expectations are such a weird thing, you know. But this one lived up to it for me, I think. Um, I tried to stay away, like I watched the main trailer they put out, but otherwise I, I tried to not, right, n- not learn too much about it beforehand, and um, and I was really impressed with it. Um, if you heard uh, anything, noise. don't worry about it. <laughs> Everyone's fine. It's nothing. Um, so basic premise: all you really need to know is just that Moonlight tells the story of a um, black man in three different parts of his life as he struggles with his sexuality when he's there's three distinct acts in the movie when he's a child when he's a teenager and when he's an adult um and there are different characters that you see in each of those acts um as he grows up 
and that's kind of all there is to explain about the plot, but it's so gripping. Um, I was actually so mad because I, I didn't get a drink in the movie and I had this popcorn that was making me cough and I <laughs> didn't want to leave. Like it was the hardest decision I've ever made in the movie, but I had to get up and go cough really loud outside real quick. And then I ran back in. Um, but that's how good it is. <laughs> I didn't want to take my eyes off the screen because oh, it's awesome. It's a beautiful movie. The cinematography is astounding. There's some really great long takes um, with like some rotating camera around the action type stuff. Um, and the acting's incredible. Yeah. From all three actors who portray the main, um, the main character, they all get these uh, mannerisms and nuances that are very consistent. It seems like the same person, you wow. know, having grown up. Um, A lot of love for Mahershala Ali, yeah, too, Mahershala I've heard. Yeah, Mahershala is great. Mm-hmm. Who played, he's in the, the first and the second? Or all three? Yeah, I won't say. Well, yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet, but yes, mm-hmm. I didn't mean to. I apologize. But yeah, he plays like a, a friend of his or mentor, mm. mentor-esque, but maybe yeah. shouldn't have been a mentor. <laughs> yeah, but overall should have. Well, nice. well yeah, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. yeah. I don't want you to you say too much. You can form your opinion Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Janelle Monet, and I think oh, her yeah. acting debut. We just saw a trailer for her, and she's in a, the movie about the NASA... Oh, that's These right. These black women who work for NASA, and we uh-huh. thought that was her debut. I didn't know she was in Moonlight. Until right now, you didn't know? No, until right now. Oh, she's great in it. No way. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so yeah, go see it. It's going to be talked about a ton oh, yeah. um, as the end of the year approaches. Hopefully a Best Picture um, nominee. Yeah. With what I've seen so far this year, if I was an Oscar voter, that's what I would vote for. But nice. But there's still a lot ahead. We have, sure, um, sure. La La Land coming up, Manchester yeah. by the Sea, things like uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. Nice. Um, what have you seen? Yeah, almost nothing, as <laughs> as admitted earlier. Um, I saw on DVD from oh, an old movie, but Midnight Special. The only reason I bring it up is because I re- I like Jeff Nichols. He made Mud. He makes this year. He made this year's Loving that just is coming out right oh, okay. now, which is also an Oscar contender mm-hmm. with Joel Edgerton and with um, oh, Ruth, uh, Ruth Negga. Negga. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and he made a movie called Take Shelter. And oh, a movie called Shotgun Stories. So I want to go back and see all of his movies. I've only seen Mud and Midnight Special. I want to see Loving. Yeah. The thing about Loving, really is it? Mm-hmm. And he always has uh, Michael Shannon in the movies. Yes. Who was in Take Shelter and Mud and mm-hmm. was one of the main characters in, in Midnight Special. Anyway, long story short, that movie came out a while ago. Shout out to Eric Wood, uh, who's been on the podcast with, the, with us a couple of times, who's a big Nichols fan, um, who, made, who told me I got to see Midnight Special. The cool thing about Midnight Special is its script in that it doesn't give it like leaves so many things unexplained, but not things you have to know. It just kind of lets you fill in blanks, and I liked that. It also has Joel Edgerton, who was then in Loving, and it has uh, Kirsten Dunst, um, and then Sam Shepard, who was also in Mud, and it's about this kid and Joel Edgerton and um, uh, Michael Shannon appear to kidnap him. But it's actually Michael Shannon's son. This is all really early in the movie. No, no spoilers. And he has some special abilities. And they're trying to protect him. And he's been involved in like some kind of religious cult-like things. And, and it's about them going on the run and, and trying to keep him out of harm's way. Um, it's really interesting. I don't know if I loved it as much as some people loved it. But I, it's really well made. Okay. And I love Jeff Nichols' tendency to write scripts that hit beats you're just not used to. I felt the same way about Mud. Where I just wasn't sure where it was going. 
And when it ends, there's an ambiguity to it, but a satisfying ambiguity, which mm-hmm. is my favorite ending in, in movies. My favorite feeling to have yeah. is this is ambiguous, but I'm satisfied. Like, how'd you do that? It's the same. It's one of the reasons I love Children of Men, a totally different movie, but it gives me that same type of feel. So it's, a, it's an interesting movie. If you like sci-fi and you like genre mashups where you really don't know, it's good. The other movie I saw was Trolls with my kids. Um, and Trolls is good, and it's actually getting really good reviews. It's not like if you put it in the spectrum of like great movies, no. And it's not a Pixar movie, but it's so charming and so fun. It's just like a candy-coated confection. Okay. You know, like there's no reason to see it unless you really love Justin Timberlake, you really love Anna Kendrick or Zoe Deschanel, or you have kids. And I happen to love all three of those actors right. and actresses, and I have kids, so we went on Tuesday. The songs are great. Uh, Timberlake's great. Uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's silly, and it has a very obvious message. Um, but it was fun, and my, my three-year-old daughter and my nine-year-old daughter were cracking up the whole time, so it, right. it achieved what it was supposed to achieve. And I was not at all bored. It, it flies by. It's really fast. Okay. You know, so it's, it's fun. But it's not like, oh, you got to go see Trolls. It's going to be in the best animated feature conversation. You know what I mean? <laughs> Never know. It, no, no. It could be nominated. I could see them nominating it. But with Kubo and the Two Strings and uh, Zootopia. Zootopia. I, I just don't think mm. it'll be in the conversation to possibly win. No. And it may not even be nominated. But it could sneak in there with people who just... It has a really cool visual palette. Like, okay. the aesthetic is fun. It might... I mean, it could. it's nauseating in its colorful <laughs> vitality. Yeah. But in a way where it knows it is. And so it makes it kind of like uh, exciting to look at. Right. Awesome. So Moonlight is definitely one if you're out there and you're either watching us now or you're listening on the podcast. Um, We were doing this Facebook Live, by the way, podcast listeners. So if you were watching us when we said this or you're listening now, Moonlight is the big takeaway. And it has been for everyone who has seen it. And Jake is now included in that group. I'm the newest of, one. But yeah, the, the uh, devotees, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping to see it this weekend, which would be really cool. Because it's not playing a lot of places around, around us here. But today, the, the focus today is on the filmmaker Spike Jones. Okay, Spike Jones, uh, those of you who are movie fans, or even if, even if you just are a casual moviegoer, you've probably at least heard of his movies. He's made four in order, he made a movie called Being John Malkovich that I just rewatched for the second time last night in, in advance of this podcast, and then I read a bunch about it. Basically, Charlie Kaufman was a, a TV sitcom writer who wanted to be in the movies, who wanted to write movies, so he wrote this script. It was a mashup of some scripts he was writing. Oh, really? Uh, he took it to a ton of studios who all said, um, this is amazing, no one's going to make it. <laughs> like basically okay. they all said like this is creative this is beautiful but I don't think you'll be able to get anyone to make it because I don't know how we'd make it and stuff but then he took it to Spike Jones, and uh, Spike Jones was like let's do this and Spike Jones had just earned enough clout to make a movie he'd made a lot of like uh, music videos and right. some shorts mm-hmm. uh, he's been in a few movies too he's, he's most notably Three Kings by David O. Russell where he's hilarious um, anyway so Spike Jones was the right match for Charlie Kaufman. They made Being John Malkovich. It got huge critical acclaim. I think uh, one or two Oscar nominations, if I remember correctly. Catherine Keener was nominated, and I think the script was nominated, though don't quote me. Um, and then that earned him the right to make another movie. He paired with uh, Charlie Kaufman again, right? and they made a movie called Adaptation with Nicolas Cage, Meryl Streep, and Chris Cooper, who were, I think, all nominated for Oscars. At least Meryl Streep and Chris Cooper were... were. Chris Cooper may have even won. I think, I think he, he did win, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that, and that was a real, another thing Charlie Kaufman did, just mind-blowing from his mind about trying to adapt something and then in trying to adapt it, writing about trying to adapt it and then making that into a movie. It's, it's incredibly clever. Yeah. yeah. Jake grabbed his head if you're watching. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you're not if you're listening to the podcast. Um, and then uh, so those two Charlie Kaufman wrote and Spike Jones then stepped in. And then uh, he combined with Dave Eggers, and they wrote the screenplay. So, so no more Kaufman. They wrote the screenplay for a movie called Where the Wild Things Are, which a lot of you have probably heard of, an adaptation of Maurice Sendak's incredibly famous and beloved children's book. Um, and then just two years ago, right? Not last year, two years ago. Um, three years ago. Three years ago, wow. Just three years ago, he wrote his first solo script um, and wrote the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix. And um, uh, Amy Adams, Rooney Mara is in it, and of course the voice of Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. Where there was some Oscar talk for her, she didn't quite get there, mm-hmm. but a lot of Oscar talk for the amount of kind of emotion she was able to bring into into a voice. So Spike Jones is known and and revered kind of as just this creative kind of genius. Yeah. Like he's a good director. He's a good director. And I don't want to at all, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, downplay his directing achievements. Right. But it's really, I think, the ideas he brings, even in fleshing out Kaufman's ideas or in understanding Kaufman's ideas in the first couple movies, yeah. believing they could be a cinematic experience and then delivering on that. Um, or the scripts for Where the Wild Things Are and, of course, Her, which he won an Oscar for, yeah. writing the script for right, Her. Yeah. Well-deserved for writing that script. Um, so we just wanted to, I mean, I gave a little, uh, a background there, but if I, if you don't mind me going to you first, Jake, mm-hmm. um, you're like, what about Spike Jones as a filmmaker? I mean, I'm going to leave it pretty open here, yeah. but what appeals to you, you know, regardless of how much you've loved or not loved all four, but what appeals to you, what makes him stick out as, as a writer, as a filmmaker? Why are we even doing this? You know? Yeah. Uh, I think that with, so the bar he set with being John Malkovich, is that no matter what, when you go into a Spike Jones movie, you're going to get something you haven't seen before. Yeah. You know, it's going to be unique and give you, not only be unique, but give you new things to think about as far as just worldviews and, you know, what human interaction is. Um, and so I think it maybe could have been argued af- just after adaptation that maybe it was Kaufman's scripts that, right. that were the shining thing, but I think that he proved with where the wild things are and for me especially with her that he has his own sensibility and that you know he's a big reason that those movies are that all those movies are what they are right i i agree 100 percent um and i in in taking the kaufman angle just for a second before i add my two cents about spike jones uh kaufman also wrote a movie called uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind which was directed by somebody else michelle gondry and, and I mean, I'll speak for myself here. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a good movie, but I didn't, for me, it didn't quite hit the heights <gasps> of, oh, I'm so sorry. It so didn't sorry. quite hit the heights of the Spike Jones uh, uh, versions. Um, uh, but for Jake, it did, obviously. We're not talking <laughs> about Michelle Gondry here, but um, yes. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to very quickly mention. The music, his choices of music oh, are great, mm-hmm. right? And, and there are some similarities in the style of music. But not, oh, he's just picking the same kind of music every time. Just some similarities in like his sensibilities towards what he chooses, yeah. but not how they deliver a specific tone or a specific feel, um, especially in um, 
in uh, rewatching or in watching, pardon me, where the wild things are, and rewatching her, um, and and rewatching uh, being John Malkovich as well. I was like, man, this guy just really has a knack for picking the right songs, for knowing the right, and and with her, he he combined with uh, Win Win Butler, right, mm-hmm. of Arcade Fire, yep. and who got nominated for an Oscar for writing oh, that right. score, yeah, mm-hmm. um, just a really great score, and then Karen O. Both in her and in um, where oh. the wild things are, yeah. she did some music there. Mm-hmm. So did Arcade Fire, for that matter. Um, oh, that's right. That they or at least that he stole, even if they didn't write it for the movie. Yeah. So that was a big thing for me that I knew, but then in rewatching and and having seen some of them multiple times, that was kind of reiterated for me. He and and Spike Jones like. There are a lot of filmmakers. There are, you know, maybe a certain, maybe 10 who people are going to be excited for their stuff every time. A Spielberg in yeah. a lot of ways. Christopher Nolan, we've talked about. Um, Alfonso Cuaron, uh, now um, Inyaritu. Yep. And I think Spike Jones is unequivocally in that group, at least for critics and, and awards pundits and stuff. Spike Jones is, and, and Jake touched on it, and I just want to say amen to what Jake said, like the worldview. Mm-hmm. He's going to give you something new. Yeah. And, and that, that, that thing may resonate with you and it may not. And I think that was ultimately what separated these four for me and what made me finally able to go for three, two, one was some resonated more for me than others did, right. just personally and emotionally. Every movie had something in it that blew my mind. In fact, when we, when we go to our rankings in a minute, my number four, I used to tell people it was my favorite. Be- really? Before, I, that was before I had seen her. I'm not saying what my order is, but before I'd seen her. Well, just before I'd seen her, I used to always say, I think Adaptation's my favorite. And um, especially after being John Malkovich, like I was just like, Adaptation, whoa, it just blew yeah. my mind. And um, I'm now saying what my number four is, but it's whatever. Um, I was going to go first anyway. Um, but uh, now I have that at number four. And, and it just kind of shows like the, the play that for me that goes with, especially with someone who's just doing stuff that's so new and so different. Yeah. Did you want to add anything before I explain my four that no, I just told? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was an accident, but it's all good. Yeah. So my number four is adaptation. Um, and... Uh, like I just mentioned, and even more, I guess it was really more so when it was just being John Malkovich and adaptation. I knew that Malkovich had just this uh, incredible um, um, esteem. People had esteem for it. That's not the word I was looking for, but reputation. It had this incredible reputation, and I still liked it. Um, but then adaptation, its reputation wasn't quite as sterling. People liked it. Don't mm. get me wrong. On Rotten Tomatoes, with the exception of where the wild things are, they're like 91, 93, and 95. So people had great love for it. But Adaptation, the first time I saw it, I just love the w- WTF-ness of it. Right. I was so, like you grabbed your head earlier. Yeah. The way that Kaufman, in real life, sat down to write the script for The Orca Thief. By the way, light spoiler alert, we've tr- we won't try to like ruin endings and stuff. Yeah. But as we talk about the movies, we may venture further, but we'll, we'll try not to ruin anybody who's out there going, but I want to watch Spike Jones movies and right. not have them ruined. But light spoiler alert in that we might set the table more than we normally would. Um, anyway, in real life, Charlie Kaufman was hired to adapt The Orchid Thief. Right. Starts adapting The Orchid Thief. 
having a really hard time doing it. So then he starts writing in his adaptation of The Orchid Thief about him adapting The Orchid Thief. And then he is interacting with the characters from The Orchid Thief. And then he invents a twin brother he doesn't really have who is credited as writing the screenplay with him. writing it. Yeah, who, and, and it's on the screen and everything. Yeah. And, and then that person kind of represented this other half of Charlie Kaufman in real life, the one who wants to just, who knows he could write just uh, crap. And... Yeah, stuff that's not that good and make a lot of money yeah. but doesn't want to. And I love the way he handled all of those levels. And then Spike Jones comes in, sees the script as handling all these levels, and is able to make a movie that, for me, totally works. Yeah. For me, again, doesn't go off the rails. And anytime it goes off the rails, it's purposeful going off right. the rails as part of, the, as part of the, what he's doing. Yeah. And, and then ultimately, as, uh, like I, I teach a, a film class, I know I've mentioned that before, but we talk about adaptation. The art of adaptation. <laughs> okay. That is, not the movie itself. We talk about the art of adaptation. And I think it had a lot to say about that. Yeah. It had a ton to say about you have this other person's work. How do you put yourself into it without putting too much of yourself into it? How do you, as a screenwriter, even deal with kind of um, your impulses of like, well, I just want to make money so people will hire me again versus staying true to what you are. Right. And I loved what it had to say about that. And again, I, I mentioned it in the intro. I think Spike Jones brought to it I understand what this is, and I'm going to pull it off. And, and th I think that's what spoke to me when I first saw it. I was just like, whoa. And I saw it very recently for the second time. Still loved it, but was not as overwhelmed as I was the first time okay. with its creativity. Mm -hmm. I still thought, this movie's really good. But I thought, maybe not as good as I remember when I was just so struck by how crazy it was. Right. And by, once again, Spike Jones's ability to rein it all in as a piece of cinema that works. Okay. So that was my yeah. number four. Okay. I'll save most of my comments about it for when I... When it's, for when it's not it. number four, yeah. It's not my number four. Mm. Um, oh, I don't care. But it, well, I will say that was, the, that was the only one of his movies that I hadn't seen before, before now, so I just watched it. So I've only seen it one time, and it did blow my mind. Yeah. But I think that's interesting that you say that it wasn't yeah, as well, much the second time. Yeah, I mean, it's no, but I have thoughts about that that I'll talk about. Yeah, so. please. Um... Okay, so am I doing my number four now? Please. Let's okay, do it. This might make you mad then. So if you're out there, if you are out there <laughs> and you, are, when we hit the number four, sorry, podcasters, I'm talking for a minute to the Facebook livers. I can cut this out later. <laughs> if you're out there, uh, you know, give a like or whatever if you, or comment right now like, oh, I hated adaptation or, oh, cool, I'm so glad Jake has it later. It's one of my favorites or whatever. Yeah. We'd love to see that later when we when we run it back. Okay. All right, sorry. I, no, it won't make me mad no matter what. Whatever you say. No, I'm serious. Okay. No, yeah. Um, also, what I remembered, flashback to October of 2009. <laughs> I think I saw you in the theater when I saw this movie, which my number this... four is Where the Wild Things Are. I think you were you were like a couple rows in front of me and we like talked about it. After. No way. Yeah. So there's a Rogator's <laughs> history lesson right there. Um, yeah, no, I didn't remember that at all. Yeah, I think that happened. Anyway. Because for some reason, I thought you said you hadn't seen Where the Wild Things Are yet. No, I think I maybe you said you'd only seen it once? I had, uh, like a couple okay. times. I made all this up. But I didn't make this up. We saw each other <laughs> in the theater. I believe that 100%. Anyway. <laughs> um, so Where the Wild Things Are is my number four. 
Nice. It's probably it's the only one of his movies that I don't quite feel comfortable saying that I love. Um, I like it. I like the, um, I like all the kind of technical stuff about it. I think it's amazing to look at. I love the kind of just brown aesthetic that permeates the whole movie. Right. Um, I love the Karen O soundtrack. I love, um, I love even I love the way they did the the things the wild things I love yeah I love they look just like the book which is cool yeah um it's just very strange I think we can agree it's, it's probably not intended for kids yeah it's right? an interesting and I'll I'll share some more thoughts later but okay, it's very yeah, sure interesting no 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 but it's it's I think it's it bothers a lot of people maybe not you but it bothers a lot of people that it's not as kiddy as you would expect. Right. I know that, that that sticks in some people's craw, and that's one reason why they don't like it. Yeah. Is they're like, well, it's not for kids. And I'm like, okay, but what else? Right. Now, which is know, not yeah. what you're saying. No, Sorry, I shouldn't be I'm that saying thing. that to other people. <laughs> right. I'm just saying, I'm just agreeing in a roundabout way like I do. You know yeah. how I ramble. I jump did in you, ramble. Did you take any of your kids to it when it came out? <laughs> yeah, we did. And did they like it? Uh, they did, okay. yeah, I'll, and I'll I'll actually de- no, well I'll delve into that a tiny bit right now okay. without interrupting Jake too much, which is just there were parts that went over their heads, but there was enough stuff Spike Jones and Dave Eggers put in, like the guy losing his arm and the dirt clot fight that they loved. They loved the arm. I think yeah, the arms. Yeah, thought it was so funny. That's funny. That because then it's just a stick. Yeah. Spoiler okay, the alert. Funny. But uh, <laughs> they they love that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, so I guess why I feel weird about it is because I think it goes over my head. Like, I'll just openly admit that I, um, I would, I could do a whole podcast probably discussing what the whole movie means. Not because I feel like I know, but because I want to learn what other people right, talk interpret about it, it as. Yeah. You have callers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now we're going to caller number one. What, what's your interpretation <laughs> yeah. of where the wild things are? Oh, very interesting. Very interesting. No, yeah. Somebody, <laughs> somebody please comment and explain, <laughs> explain where the wild things are to me. Because I really, I really like how, I love how it feels, but I just feel strange about like the... Is plot even the word? Like, just right. the ongoings, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love it. Because I feel like, I feel like, so there are certain things. Um, so I feel like KW, I watch her and I'm like, okay, I feel like she definitely represents his relationship with his sister, right. you know? But then there are other wild things where it's like, I guess that's what's weird to me is I feel like some of them represent people in his life and some of them represent things like, or facets ideas of his personality. Or, right. yeah. yeah. So I guess... Maybe I just narrow-mindedly and wanting them all to... You're this, you're that, you're this, yeah, you're that. Yeah, I want them to all be all be people or all be feelings, right. you know? Like, that um, we can see and then we can apply mm-hmm. and then we can figure out. Sure. Right, and so I don't know if I would like it better if he did that, but I also don't want to be dumb, you know? And so I want, I want to... I guess I just... When I watch it, it's the kind of movie that I watch and I wonder... I can't understand exactly how many things are being planted as a very specific and symbolic thing and how many things are just random or funny. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So so I'll be interested to hear you talk about oh, what sure. things you find to be valuable. Right, right. What things you think were definitely... Um, oh, I could use my fancy um, film minor terminology <laughs> what the encoded meaning is. Um, <laughs> if you're listening right now... UVU professor. <laughs> Jake listened. Yeah. And I he did. cares. Um, anyway. Well, and so... I would say, like, as a precursor to when I hit this on my list, I, it's the one I've seen the most, and it's not even close. Like, I've seen it 
ten times or something. Really? Okay. Or maybe eight or seven. Okay. Maybe I was bombastic in my ten. But it's because I've shown it in my film lit class many times. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that definitely plays into how much I do or don't like it. Right. Wherever it is on the list. Right. I'm excited to hear you makes talk a, about it. It makes a big difference, right? But I, I do like it. I, sure. I'm not trying to talk like I don't like it. I mostly just don't understand it. Right. But but I do love... It has everything I love about a movie as far as like aesthetic and, and um, feeling and music and things nice. like that. Nice. Awesome. Do you want to hit number three? We'll do the like yeah. pinball kind of thing. That yeah, we I did can hit number three. When we ranked before. So... This might just be because I only saw it, I've only seen it once so far, and I need to get to know it better. But number three is adaptation. Nice. So, which I just watched for the first time last night. Um, holy cow! I didn't know, so I knew nothing about it going into it, except that it was a Spike Jones movie and that Charlie Kaufman wrote the right. script. I saw the front. I was like, oh, I didn't know that Charlie Kaufman has a brother that he sometimes writes scripts <laughs> with. And I was like, and I heard. Great. Now, don't quote me because I heard this that he had to like. They had to kick him out of the WGA, the Writers Guild, because he wanted to credit Donald on screen. Really? I don't know if he's gotten back in. I don't know if I made that up. I read it for sure. <laughs> I read it for sure. And right. whether or not I read it from somebody telling a lie or spinning a tale. Yeah. Uh, and since we don't currently have devices we're looking stuff up on, I'm not 100% sure. But it's kind of fun to think that that might be true. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, no, I just have my notes anyway. Oh, good, good. Um, so, yeah, I had – so I was shocked – when they're like on the set of being John Malkovich at the beginning, <laughs> I was like, "This is really like meta. self-indulgent for a second film, but I love it." Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, very, very meta. Funny, right? And yeah. then I thought it was very funny that so I had no idea. I didn't read like I didn't read a synopsis of this movie beforehand, so I which didn't I think know, is kind of fun. It's really for fun. this movie especially. Right. Yeah. Um, so Maybe I, more so than any movie I can think of. Yeah. All I knew was that Nicolas Cage's head was like a broken vase on the front of it or whatever. Yeah. Flower pot. Yeah. Um, so it, I laughed out loud when I realized he was going to be playing Charlie Kaufman, like the writer, you know? Um, and so it was just kind of a mind-blowing experience. I am kind of torn about the third act, though, in which... So, I mean, I guess the point Which is... Which it turns it, into, it like, turns an action into movie and a thriller and stuff. Because yeah. that's the point, right? But I don't know how... That's why I think it's interesting that you said your mind wasn't blown as much the second time. Because I don't know how much that whole sequence would hold up for me. Right. Like, I think I would get bored of it during right. second viewing. Right. Like, subsequent viewings after everything that we said before that. That is just this genius... It's like, whoa. You know, kind of commentary on all these different writing. things. Yeah. Which, as an... Um, on and off aspiring screenwriter. <laughs> this movie was. I could say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie was kind of traumatizing because <laughs> it was, and not that I've even done a ton of. I've tried. I've written. I've written some um, various types of scripts, and just the feelings, even without having like tr- ever tried to like actively, you know, get somebody to really pay attention to what I've written. I could just relate so much to all the fears and um you know problems that you encounter just in trying to be creative about something and so it was kind of stressful to watch him (laughs) go through that and think you know that maybe it doesn't get better i love Um, the synopsis for his movie the three it's called the three right you just uh watched it last night yeah yeah yeah. i just love the like bs-ness of that whole right the evolving story that you learn that he's explaining about it and then they're all the same person And it's just like, it's really funny because you, it is satirical, right? Yeah. And you can see him poking fun right. at even some pretty good movies. You can see him poking fun at like the twist is the thing, 
you know, that type of thing. Right. Um, that I just think I, I liked a lot of that commentary. And I think that's I, I think the the humor of Spike Jones movies. Well, I guess it's when he paired with Charlie Kaufman, like Kaufman's mm-hmm. sense of humor in those first couple movies makes them, I think, a lot funnier than her or where the wild things are. Oh, yeah. And I and I and I think that's that's fun. I don't yeah, know. Just that fun. extra level of Kaufman humor that might that Spike Jones and his cast play with. That oh yeah. Really they well. even have the moment where the two Nicholas Cages are talking to each other about how how the one playing Kaufman is like, you can't have the same person playing two people, you know? <laughs> like how would you how would you even film that? <laughs> so it it's fun like that. Um yeah. so I enjoyed it a lot. I I look forward to watching it again, but nice. we'll see how it holds up. Awesome. And it's good. You know, yeah. it's good. And Nicolas Cage does a great job. Yeah, he's really acting. good. You know, it's sad. Oh yeah, that he's great. It's sad that, that he's... he's gone off the rails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the movie didn't. Quite. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. So my number three, and I, I mean, I know that it's there are only four movies, so we yeah. only have four spots, guys. <laughs> so number three just means like I had two that I thought were better, and and really the biggest difference for me for three here versus two and one is that two and one just resonated for me more. Okay. That's it. This movie is a really good movie and it's 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 clever and it's crazy and it's not her, don't oh, worry. That's so uh, scary. Number three for me is being John Malkovich. <laughs> I could see Jake getting scared and so could you if you're watching this live. Oh, yeah. um, On camera. And no, and I didn't I mean I didn't change my list or anything for Jake. I would never do that, obviously. <laughs> But being John Malkovich, which I just watched again last night, and I saw it years ago, um, is insanely clever. Yeah. Uh, Arguably one of the most clever movies as far as sheer cleverness I've ever seen. And um, with incredible performances. And before I even get into being John Malkovich, let me just say, I've had a lot of ire for Cameron Diaz in the past. She's great in it. She is good in it, man. She is, it makes me go, oh my gosh, give her better roles. Yeah. Because I am a vocal opponent of Cameron Diaz's acting skills, and I'm so sorry. Yeah. She, she went to the high school I went to, so I feel this kinship with her. And, and <laughs> with tearing the ex- her apart. With the exception of The Mask, I always say, like, I've never seen her really be good in anything else, but I forgot about this movie. Yeah, like, I took she issue. is good. Because you put her low on the spectrum. I did. And I stand by her lowness on the spectrum. Uh, okay, fine, but overall. This, but this right here is a total outlier. Yeah. Like, she's, you use the word great, and I do not hesitate to use the word great. She is great in it. Yeah. Um, and I just read something today uh, in an interview with uh, Spike Jones where he said um, they, the cast didn't recognize her when they finally got her look right. Yes. And she was talking to some, the crew, I mean, not the cast, the crew. She's talking to the mm. crew, and they, didn't, they thought she was some stranger. Yes. They didn't know what she was doing on the set. Man, she was good. Yeah. And man, and Cusack was great. And I'm a mm-hmm. fan of Cusack, but he has been in a lot fewer roles lately, especially roles that have been good. But he's really good. Um, and then Catherine Keener was nominated for an, for an Oscar for it. The cool thing about being John Malkovich is the way it explores all kinds of different themes. Yeah. And ultimately, I think for me, that's what kept it number three is that the the vast amount of themes that it covered made it so I didn't get resonance as much with any particular one of them. Okay. But I also felt like I could apply so many different things. Yeah, sure. About being John Malkovich to a ton of different things, the idea of sense of self, um, the it, it has a lot to say about relationships. Um, it has a lot to say about even, or at least a little bit to say about. Um, 
eternal youthfulness, wanting to be young yeah. for forever, wanting to find ways to to carry on. The nature of love, what does it mean to love someone? Yeah. You know, which I think is really cool. And then a uh, I really wanted to come up with a great adjective, but I can't. A glorious turn by John Malkovich, who is hilarious in it right. as himself, willing to poke fun at himself yeah. from, from the beginning. And there's, there are a ton of recurring jokes about him being uh, not that famous. Yeah. And, and in these movies that make no sense, that, that aren't actually movies he was the in. The Jewel Thief movie. The Jewel yeah. Thief movie, yeah. Such a funny life. And I think for me, Malkovich was the funniest of the movies, even though adaptation makes me laugh a lot. I laughed a ton at being John Malkovich just last night. And as a first feature for a director, my oh, yeah. gosh. Wow. Right? For Spike Jones to come out of the gates with such a tricky movie to even make. Um, whoo, wow. Um, and so I have so many good things to say about it and I mean them all. Um, but I still have it at number three and it's just because of some thoughts I have about the other two. But, uh, if you haven't seen being John Malkovich, if you see it and think like, wow, this is the first movie this guy made. And it's one of the reasons that I support him making so few movies because, you know, and I know you only liked, uh, where the wild things are, which is Mm -hmm. fine. But for him to make four such high quality movies, um, I, I, I'm glad that he takes so long. I think it yeah. shows in, especially the scripts for his latter two, um, uh, where the wild things are and heard that they spent a lot of time on them and made sure, which obviously are the two I haven't said yet. Um, but that he spent a lot of time crafting those and coming up with what they were going to look like. Right. Um, but you can see his talent right from the beginning. Yes. I think part of the reason for me that they are, that adaptation and being John Malkovich are four and three is because they were a shared vision with Charlie Kaufman. That's not consciously why I put them there, mm-hmm. but I I feel like I have then loved his singular vision. I know right. Dave Eggers helped write the script for Where the Wild Things Are, but I've loved his singular vision now when he's moved on to. It's kind of like he keeps shedding, you know. Yeah. And then he shed Dave Eggers, and then and then you know her was pretty much just him. Yeah. So you know I don't I don't want to do this if I'm wrong. But normally I'd go two right now, but I feel like, should I go your two? No, yeah, I should do my two. That's what I thought. (laughs) Let's have you do your two right now. (laughs) My two is being John Malkovich. (laughs) Just wanted, you know, I didn't want to be wrong, but... No, yeah. I thought it made logical sense. That would have shocked the world. (laughs) It wasn't. Um, No, but this also might shock the world. The world being the few people I watched this movie with the first time that I saw it, because I didn't like it the first time. Um, but the second time it really clicked with me and now I feel like I love it pretty much. Um, I think what I struggled with really the first time was kind of what you talked about with like the themes being so broad, um, because I feel like it touches on so many things, but it doesn't delve into them. So and it's I like, still agree with that, even though I think it's a pretty great movie. No, me too. But just with things like, so Maxine is like, oh, Lottie, I only love you when you're Malkovich, you know? And, like, and so, like, that's, like, a plot point, but, like, it, the movie doesn't intend to, like, dive into the psychological reasons for why that Not is, deeply. you know? Not deeply. But it allows us to. But right. then it can feel like a cop-out of, like, well, you didn't even know. You just kind of threw whatever you wanted. And then, right. Right. Yeah. But I think overall I like it. I like that there are so many things like that that it can just throw out there, and that alone is enough for you to think about it and, right. and enjoy that kind of psychological part of the movie. Um and kind of with that, one thing I really struggled with the first time was um, 
uh, it's not necessarily the quirkiness, but just kind of like, and, and you, you mentioned that it's the movie has things to say about what it means to love someone. Um, it's so weird to me how quickly everyone starts talking about being in love with each other. And so it's, it's just kind of this weird, like, it's this weird thing where like the next thing that happens in the movie is this person loves the person, you know? And like, it, it doesn't, the dialogue just feels very strange to me because of how it, everything happens so fast. Like it just like jumps because that's what the story needs to happen. But I know, I, I know that Kaufman and and Jones know that, you know, Well, a lot of those things are played sometimes for humor, right? It's true. Like at the risk of saying too much when the, and I'll just be careful here when two characters try to kiss another character at the same time, like that's funny to me. Yeah. Right. right. Like I laughed out loud last night watching it. And at the same time though, did they really earn them both going for that kiss at that time? Like, not necessarily in the way that we normally give the mo- a movie a burden of earning that moment. Right. Um, but the quirkiness of it is funny, yeah. and then it adds this level of them both going, kind of going after this. Like, it adds something to right. the script, but, but it, it happens so quickly. Yeah, and stuff like, um, I guess stop listening if you don't want to be spoiled, but like, yeah, and when he like pulls a gun on her, you know? Yeah, and then they it's just, pretty like, sudden. Yeah, it's right? so sudden, and then they just like resolve it right after too, and they're like, okay, actually, yeah, I still love you. So <laughs> things like that, I understand that it's intentional, but that I right. didn't like that the first time. Yes. But the second time, I could recognize it as kind of a fun exercise in this is what happens next because yeah. this is where we want to go, you know? Well, it's in danger of being cleverness for cleverness's sake. Yeah. And I think, and I think people who maybe don't like being John Malkovich would have that exact same criticism. Mm-hmm. It's just like, well, it's just trying to be weird. And crazy and clever, yes, but not in a way that ever actually focuses on something that we're going to take with us as humans, as people watching this movie and wanting to take something with us. Yeah. Um, Sorry. No, I'm pretty much done. Um, I really like, I really like Catherine Keener in it. She might be my favorite character. Um, Yeah. And and she got, and she won, not, she didn't win an Oscar, but she she got nominated. nominated, Yeah. yeah. And um, probably worth mentioning, she she seems to be... Spike Jones is kind of one of his Muse. go-tos. You know? <laughs> yeah, because she's in three of the four, right? Yeah, she's not well, in her, right? No, she's not in her, and I guess she only appears in adaptation as herself as for that herself one little thing, playing her character and being John Malkovich. Yeah, well, and she's not even but, in Where the Wild Things Are all that much. No, technically, but I do love her in it. But yeah, but yeah. she's she seems to be around when Spike Jones is involved. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, so yeah, I like it. I like it a lot, and I want to. I want the world to know it because I, <laughs> I kind of criticized it, um, and just said I didn't like it the first time I, I saw love it. it. I love it. I love it. I don't care who knows it. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's an interesting movie, mm-hmm. and and I think if uh, I mean, and I mentioned this a little bit before, but as my last thought, as it was your number two and my number three, um, I think if it did deal with some of those things in more depth, like it definitely would have been much higher for me. And maybe number one. Okay, yeah. But but as I see it, it I watch it, I think about things, and it still dissipates a little quicker than I want it to. Yeah. It doesn't stick with me in the same way that some of these other movies do. Right. The two that I have ahead of it. Um, so with that, I'll do my number two. Um, and this was the, the hardest call for me, and I, and I want to make sure to say this. Like, you know, we struggle with these personal lists um, because... You want to explain and you don't want to act like you're trying to be different than just to be different. Yeah. You know, but, but it is, it is, you know, I mentioned, I've seen where the wild things are. I'm not saying what number two is yet, but I've seen where the wild things are a lot more times. 
And, and so I feel like I thought about it way more than I thought about her, which is, are the only two I have left. And I told Jake, he came in here, we were trying to get Facebook Live set up, and uh, we were five minutes before we were going to start, and I said, I'm pretty sure I feel strongly about my number <laughs> one. Um, and it was, it was torture for me. If you, if you follow us on Facebook or you're my friend on Facebook, you saw me mention you know, that it was, it was more torturous for me than it's ever been. Um, because on the one hand, for one of these movies, like it resonates with me on a really deep level as a dad. And then the other one is undoubtedly a better made movie. I think that has a lot to say about the way we live and has an incredibly, incredibly, um, um, oh crap, the word I'm looking for when you see into the future really well. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, um, it just, her seems like it's imagining the real future. Yeah. Like you see the aesthetic of it and I'm like, this is us in 15 years. Sure. If this is exactly us in 15 years, like it won't even blow my mind. I won't be like Spike Jones is right. I'll be like, of course Spike Jones is of right. Of course he was. Because the, the production design by K.K. Barrett, who also did, I think, most of his production design, is mind-blowingly yeah. good. And so I went over this a lot. And I think if it was, if I was, it's so hard to say this because I don't want to like betray who I am or anything like that. <laughs> but if I were straight up, if I were making a list and that list was specifically um, the movies that, uh, the movie that affected me more specifically right. only then my number two would be my number one. But we're doing, we're doing a podcast about favorite films. There are so many other things involved in that. And so my number two, with no asterisk, but with a lot of trepidation, is Where the Wild Things yes. Are. <laughs> and it wasn't just for Jake, because it was a lot of like soul-searching for me <laughs> over the weekend and stuff. Um, because the first time I saw her, the ending, um, if I hadn't watched it a second time, her would have been number two, for sure. Okay. And you both know, in a minute, we'll delve into her, which is both of our number ones. Um, but... Um, so where the wild things are, by the way, for me has a lot to do, I think with being a dad, uh, every single time I've watched it. And I mean that with no exaggeration or hyperbole, I end it. And I say like, I need to be a better father and I mean it. And I'm like thinking it to myself. I know I'm saying it now, but I don't go like publishing it to people and saying like, where the wild things are, maybe we'll be a better dad <laughs> other than right now because we're talking. Yeah. And <laughs> why, where the wild things are, maybe want to be a better dad. But every time it does. And I think, I think the reason that it appeals to me so much, and, and Jake is 100% right about the fact that you don't quite know, like, is, is she supposed to be this person? Is he supposed to be? And that could definitely be a criticism. And, and for me, it's just I've never seen something that more accurately um, examined what it's like to be a kid and not understand. And you want to understand and kids are capable of understanding more than we, than we let them. We shield them from a lot more. Or maybe I'm speaking for myself. I shield my kids from a lot of stuff that they probably could comprehend. But I don't want to bring it up. And I don't want to blow their minds. And I don't want them to lose their innocence and their naivete. Um, and I've never seen a movie capture that in a way that so accurately before. And, and it's in a symbolic way. And I know like for a lot of people, it was the idea that, um, I mentioned this earlier, it doesn't adapt the book well. 
Mm-hmm. Cool. That's an appropriate criticism. But I preach that the book and the movie are different things in everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, then read the book and that's a thing and watch the movie and that's a thing. And this isn't what you said at all. But a lot of people who t- like, you like where the wild things are? I've gotten that mm-hmm. a ton of times. <laughs> you like that movie? Like, oh yeah, I kind of love that movie. And they're always like, but it wasn't like the book. Or like, but the book is so different. Like, I don't care. I'll go read sure. the book. I love the book. Yeah. I read the book with my kids. We own the book. Like, where the wild things are is formative for most kids. It's so cool how simple it is. Um, but the movie took on a much more ambitious task in my mind, which was, I want to show you what it's like to be a kid and not understand. Just not get it. You don't understand your sister. And, and you can't quite control what you want to control. You want to like not throw a temper tantrum, but you do. Yeah. And you want to not be mad at your mom or bite her, but you do. And like I've seen that with my kids, right? Like some of my children have a harder time than others controlling their tempers. Um, and you can see that they want to and they're trying to, but they can't. And they don't understand why they can't get the thing that they want. And, and to me, it's so elegant how he goes into this world. And I love that it's like weirdly ambiguous if it's a dream or not. I know it's a dream, okay, people out there listening. But they're purposefully ambiguous on the idea because he runs out, he gets on the boat, he actually – you know, yeah. and then when he comes back at the end, it's implied it's the same day, even though it seems like he was gone for mm-hmm. a long time. Um, but it's really elegant to me how they're all just trying to, to help him make sense. And that's why, for me, I like that there are all these things. Because it's like he's not smart enough to be like, and this represents my mom. And this represents what I'm feeling. Yeah, and this represents mm-hmm. this. It's just him trying to make sense of it. Right. It's just him going like, ah, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I want life to be easier to put in a box. And I'm just a kid and I want to like understand things. And I want my mom to talk to me like I'm an adult. But I don't because I'm still a kid. And all of the contradictions of that are elegantly on display even though it's not this is this and that is that and this is this and that is that. And ultimately that spoke to me in a lot of ways. Like I freaking – I like every time I watch I love the kid. I want to hug him. I want to tell him it's going to be okay. And there are some bizarre sequences that that I like, but I can understand people just being like, what's happening? Right? But it's Spike Jones too. Yeah. We just talked about the two Kaufman scripts uh, as well as – oh, no. We haven't gotten to her yet. We just talked about the two <laughs> Kaufman scripts, right? Um, and he's they're, – those they're full of just what the heck just happened, yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, and so, I mean, there's like the 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 owls – that they knock out of the sky. Terry and it's so whatever, yeah, yeah, Bob and Terry. Bob yeah, and Terry. nicely done. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, and the part where he jumps into her throat. Yeah, it's and so she weird. kind of holds him in there. Yeah, and it's so bizarre. And I and I would never say like, no, it's not weird. Well, yeah, of course it's weird. Yeah. But it to me, it's a kid. It's a kid trying to make sense of this. So right. it's all these weird things. Jake asked earlier. We took my son Chase. Um, I don't think uh, Savannah was old enough or even born yet. Oh, yeah, because it was seven years well, ago. So. Okay, so she was born, but we didn't take her with us because she was yeah. two. And tons of stuff went over his head. But he loved a bunch of stuff. He laughed at a lot of stuff. And for me, I'm not saying it's a kid movie. Mm-hmm. But I like the way that it doesn't pander. Yeah. See, now, and it doesn't do the thing that Pixar does where it works on both levels. It doesn't do that, I don't think. No. And I would never argue that it does. Mm-hmm. But I like that it's saying, like, well, we're going to meet kids at this level that's way up here. And don't, if they don't, it's fine. Like, it's, and then adults can watch it. Yeah. And I know that that would be a problem for some people. Well, like, it's a family movie. It's supposed to be for kids. Like, no one said that. It just happens to be PG. Right. And kids can watch it if they want. Yeah. You can decide. 
And I think it would be really cool to watch with my kids when they get a little bit older and just kind of see like if, if it resonates with them at all. Um, cause it, it has a genuine melancholy, a genuine yes. aching in it, which I love about it. And, and the thing for me, right. And you touched on that a little bit mm-hmm. way back with, with Jared Hess. The thing for me is that's how childhood was for me. I had a great childhood. I love my parents. I had so many happy things happen, but there's an underlying melancholy because you just don't get things. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm a, you know, as you're a young teenager, older than the kid in the thing, but you're just like, well, now I have feelings for people and I'm attracted to this person. And like, they don't even notice me. Oh, oh, woe is me or whatever. And they're taking that down to the kid level, of course. Yeah. But it's that same type of, of ache that kind of underlies everything when you're a kid. And I can't say enough for how great of a childhood I had and how happy of a childhood. But there's that kind of fault line underneath it, I think. Yeah. And I've never, for me, I've never seen a movie uh, uh, grasp that. Fault line of melancholy. That's what I'll use. That's my new my new kind of. That's my new metaphor for it. Ever so explicitly as where the wild things are. Okay. Um, but again, I, I you know for me to say there's not a bias from how many times I've seen it would just mm-hmm. be false. Right. And that's why it was almost my number one, which wouldn't uh, which would have been we had it on the opposite ends. So I'm kind of glad for that uh-huh. reason that I didn't. Um, but ultimately, I had to consider a lot of other movie making things too. Um, and there's a lot of resonance that I had with her, but I, I want you to start for her because her has been your, you've been a champion of her since it came out. I so, have. So I want to, I want to hear about that. So again, we're about to talk about her, but comment if you're on Facebook Live, if you're on the podcast, of course, uh, listening right now, please tweet at us, even if it's weeks later and you're listening to yeah. this, or jump on the Facebook page and, and give us a comment, um, uh, or go, you know to Rogue Auteurs and read some of our other stuff also for fun. Um, but yeah, let us know if you disagree, if you agree or whatever. Her is obviously his most recent movie. So if we're looking at the growth of a filmmaker, it feels like you, you would hope it would be the best and stuff. So what are some of the things you loved and why her's number one for okay. you? I suddenly realized, but then I was relieved, I don't think we mentioned her at all during our rom-com podcast. Oh, we? yeah. Well, and it's... There's funny stuff, but I don't laugh as much. No. There's funny stuff. Right. But you're right. We didn't mention. I think for me, it doesn't... The comedic part is takes a backseat for me. Yeah. Even though there's some funny stuff. There is. I think it's definitely a drama, but I realized we didn't even mention it. Because yeah. I think it's one of the ones... Um, I think technically it was a comedy for like the Golden Globes or whatever. Was so. it really? I think so. That oh, can't wow. be surprising when the Martian won for sure, best Sure, sure, sure. No, no, you're totally right, but, but wow. I think so. I'm pretty when it's sure. Such a, when it's such an emotionally rich movie yeah it's hard to think of it as a comedy you know yeah and so um and it but it's so funny to tell people about her because it's hard to explain it as it is because every time i say um oh it's about a man who falls in love with his operating system i can tell people are like oh that's funny like I yeah. know they're like, oh, I understand what kind of movie that must be now. Right. It's the and same you're thing. like, you don't. Yeah. You don't understand. It's the same thing I have with like Bojack Horseman, you know? It's like an animated comedy about a talking horse. And I know people are like, oh, so it's like, I Silly understand what and it is. Uh-huh. Funny. And, and I'm it's... like, no, no, you have to There's watch more. it. There's yeah, more. Friends. There's so much There's more. more. <laughs> um, and so, spoilers, if we ever do an all time movie podcast but i do call her my favorite movie of all time Ooh, wow which feels scary because all time i feel like i should say something that was like before the year 2000 sure you know? sure but sure it is for sure my favorite maybe maybe we don't have to talk about best but it's my favorite 
Um, and wow, like I I can still. I think it's the least weird of Spike Jones's movies as it's far as true. like. Um, there's not really. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Now I feel bad. No, where the what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, like it's. I mean, for the for the guy who's known for this kind of, like, um, uh, populist weirdness, mm-hmm. finding finding a, a groove where we can all take the weirdness. It is funny that we both put her at number one, which is the least weird. Yeah, like, but. I... It's not, yeah, it's just, there are a lot of other things that work really well. And then, I mean, there's a share of weirdness, but... Sure, yeah, but there it doesn't have that same thing where there are sequences where I'm like, yeah, what, you know? There's very, yeah. there's maybe, yeah, maybe no scenes, maybe only one scene where you're just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So, and you wrote me in at any time if you need to, because I could talk for uh, you're an good. hour about her. But no, all these all these Facebook Live <laughs> watchers are sitting in rapt attention. So <laughs> I'm sure they are. Um, okay, so seriously, like, uh, her is everything I want in a movie. I from the the moment it opens with the music um, by Arcade Fire, or I guess just Win yeah, Butler. I think just Win Butler. But um, yeah. With that harsh like noise and the word her appears, like it's just. Um, you were talking about melancholy with where the wild things are. Her perfectly, that movie is like the epitome of melancholy yeah. for me. Permeates it. Yeah, and I love melancholy. Um, so yeah, it's also, um, it's one of my most favorite, um, structured, favoritely, favoritely structured movies, um, that I've ever seen because I a lot of times in like the third act of movies I get bored and I'm like I see the, where this is going and I want to wrap it up even movies I love like Scott Pilgrim I get really antsy during the final fight usually um her from start to finish I love every minute of it like I never I've seen it um it's my where the wild things are as far as how many times I've seen right, it right right probably more than 10 times sure and um I just rewatched it this morning and I didn't even I didn't even want to get up to go to the bathroom without pausing it because it's right. just I know I almost have it memorized but I can't Take my eyes off the screen. That's awesome. Um, so um, I love I love the cast. I love Amy Adams in it. Yeah, she's um, really good. I always think she's great. Yeah, but yeah, she's really good in a, in a somewhat different role than what she often plays. I mean, uh-huh. she's done some other similar things to the character in her. Yeah, but she's more known for a different type of role. Right. Um, maybe similar to Cameron Diaz in that way. Not the not who they play. Uh huh. But similar in that this is a slightly different thing, and I and I thought they really both hit it out of the park in these second yeah. movies. Yeah, she's very understated. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and it's just fun to see you have all these actors popping up, you know, that it's just fun to see them. Chris Pratt. Yeah, um, I had forgotten. We watched it again. I just watched it on Friday, and like, uh, oh my gosh, I forgot, like I forgot last time that yeah. Chris Pratt was in this. He's very funny. He has some funny delivery. I love, right after um, Theodore tells him that, that Samantha's an operating an, system, yeah. his... Cool. Just, <laughs> I, I remember I that really exact hard. line. Yeah, that was very funny. <laughs> it's so good. Um, you have Olivia Wilde showing up as his date. You know, yeah, in a in a bizarre scene, but not bizarre in the way that it sounds like from like where the wild things are and stuff. Mm-hmm. But just in the in she gets to craft a character in like five minutes. Yeah, and she they really charged her, or they or the script charged her. I mean, and Spike Jones does a great job as well mm-hmm. with okay, but we need you to kind of embody these things so we can think a lot of things about you, and you, you're in and you're gone. Yeah, and she did a really good job, I thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and just the script. It's I'm so glad it won. It did win, right? It won. Yeah, he it won. won. Okay, yeah. yeah, it I'm... was kind of the culmination, I think, too, of a, of 
you know, all these four movies. Yeah. And a lot mm-hmm. of people feeling like it was his best work as a writer and as a director. Right. To sudden to give him like kind of the the dude, you're doing it. Yeah. You know? Which I, I hope he's working on something else because I I can't there's nothing I don't like about that script. Yeah. Um if this was freaking two thousand six and I was still like putting quotes into my Facebook profile, I would put every line from her because there are so many good quotes and monologues. Like, um, uh, her name's even Amy in the movie. I think Amy, Amy Is it Adams. Really? Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't even yeah, remember that. But she has so many, when she just talks about her, like there's just so many good scenes where she's just talking about her marriage and it's so fascinating to listen to and hear the insights about relationships. And I, I love her monologue yeah. about, you know, um, we're here briefly. I don't want to make other people happy. Um, and it's almost like the antithesis of what we talked about with being John Malkovich, mm-hmm. where it delves into every theme really deeply. Yeah. But in ways that don't feel like, because sometimes they feel like, well, they just talk about the themes. Oh, no, 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 no. They're talking about things. But they're talking about things like real people talk about things. Yeah. That happens to be delving into these themes. Right. And going deep into these ideas oh, in a way so that is, is, you know, not usually seen. Yeah. If um, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, one of my, it's, a movie favorite scene ever. Um, the uh, spoiler, don't listen, I guess, if you haven't seen her. Um, but the end, the breakup, is just beautiful to me. When everything Scarlett Johansson. Who says, knows who's breaking up? Oh, just kidding. Oh, just yeah. kidding. No, 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 you're fine. Um, I, just I love jokes. everything about that. I actually I wrote a whole paper just about that scene for one of my classes once because it's amazing. Um, the way he's staring at like the dust particles on the bed, you know, and then it morphs into this snowy, just like landscape you know that he's like just trudging place. out there right? yeah um wow it's incredible and it makes me cry when he's giving you too some of the the and i think spike jones has been a good director but he's graduating into a great director and and he i mean there's there aren't um like uh showy camera moves and stuff but he does a lot of subtle stuff like that like mm-hmm. the fade from the dust to the snow yeah. um some great scene transitions Knowing when to leave it with his editors, knowing when to leave a scene longer than you normally would, yeah, uh, and allowing as a director outside of the camera, allowing the actors like the space to play scenes and not feel like you have to speed stuff up, right, and not feel like some of these smaller moments aren't okay too. Not everyone has those instincts, and I think that really kind of showcases, especially in her, what his, some of his strengths are as a director. Yeah, um, I just I watch it and I can't understand. Oh, it's not everyone's favorite movie. <laughs> but, um, and I, because I think any, and I, you know, I talked about describing the premise to people and what they assume that it is, because I think anyone else with that premise would have done something. Taken it in a, a cruder, looter, weirder, funnier direction. Right, yeah. and Any you know, number of those. Yeah. Any one of those. You would think that, yeah, it would just be like hitting the beats of a romantic comedy, which it does hit some of them, but hitting yeah, those beats. Yeah, but it hits them differently. Right, yeah. Um, but you know, hitting those in the way that's funny because it's an operating system. You know, right. that's what anyone else would have done. Sure, and it is not that. Um, because I think the whole, the whole operating system and technology thing is very supplementary to the other themes, which is what I love about it. Because not only does he get to get in all these statements and themes about what technology does to us, you know. Um, with the letters at the beginning, well, his job throughout the whole movie, yeah. you know, writing letters for other people, you know, it's only one step further than most of our communication being virtual written words, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and I love how that plays into the story throughout in yeah. some interesting ways. Uh-huh. 
and him being able to like more accurately articulate other people's feelings than his own and him not having that many good friends but then being able to write these letters that are like moving and make people cry right like it's the outlet for that and then he's not as good at it necessarily except with her yeah her (laughs) Ah. anyway um yeah so it's really subtle how you have those themes in there but they're really just a platform for these for these other things like like you described um I lost my train of thought, but I was... Sorry, well, what were you going to say? No, no, no. I'm going to jump in and, and then you jump back in, mm-hmm. please. Because it's our, it's our joint number one. We didn't plan that. There was... I knew it would be Jake's number one just because of the things that we've talked about. And, you know, in the interest of, like, what at, full disclosure, whatever, like, I wanted to make sure, like, I'm not going to put it at number one because Jake has it at number one unless I think it's number one. And I said, and I stand by, like, if it was the movie that resonated the most with me personally, I would have had Where the Wild Things Are number one. But... There's a ton of emotional resonance in her. It's not like I, at the end I was like, I feel nothing. No, no. It's t- and it gets you thinking about a ton of stuff. But it's a step up in the movie making. Plus, even though the performances and Where the Wild Things Are are good, you have a lot, a lot of them besides the kid who's fantastic and Where the Wild Things Are. You have a lot of real people uh, giving you some fantastic performances mm-hmm. here. And living in a world – I just can't get over I think what kind of overarches it all for me is living in a world that is so much – our own plus 10 or 15 years or whatever yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. And look, is everything that he said going to come true? No, heck no, of course not. That's not how our world works. But I've never felt such a Twilight Zone feeling yeah. of looking into the future as I did watching her, with the exception maybe of reading Fahrenheit 451 to, to, to name drop one of my oh, favorite yeah. novels. Mm-hmm. Just the way that Ray Bradbury saw our yeah. future. There are mm-hmm. a lot of things in it you read and you're just like, whoa! And that one has the added benefit, that book, of us being there now. Of like, whoa, we're living yeah. in the time you... But I think there's going to be an element of that with her. Right. Where people are going to be like, oh, my, oh no, we're living in her right now. Like, <laughs> holy cow. Yeah. And I think as a writer, that is a, an, an impressive skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, to take, to take basically what he did in Adaptation and Being John Malkovich, to unweirdify it. And then to say, but let's let's focus on two or three of those themes, subtly kind of needle at them the whole time in ways that are relevant about technology and relationships today. Yeah. That's it's an impressive feat. Yeah. I know I just used impressive twice and I tell my kids not to do that as a writer, but (laughs) it is an impressive feat. And as much as I absolutely love where the wild things are, I think the degree of difficulty with what he did in her to speak to, I mean, it's it's kind of a companion piece in a really weird way to the social network for me in my mind, uh-huh. in a really weird way because they're such different movies, but where it finds such interesting things to say about how we live today. Yeah. With the social network, obviously it does it in the creation of Facebook, which here we have going into the future. Right. But saying, and it's not like Fahrenheit 51 was cautionary tale, and I know there are elements of her that do that, but the way that he didn't play it like a cautionary tale, yeah. where it's like, and this dude's weird for loving his OS system. Like you t- you've, you've t- touched on this, like not hitting the same beats. You had you could have gone the lewd, crude, and the comedic way. Um, but then you also have the, he could have gone the like, and don't fall in love with your operating system. <laughs> yeah. Like cautionary tale or right. whatever. Yeah. Like guys don't do this. Like that, that wasn't what it was about. It was understanding relationships through a lens of that. Yeah. You know, through a, a lens of that. And, and we haven't talked about this very much, but Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman, more so Charlie Kaufman, it's true, um, they bring a lot of elements of sexuality into their yeah. movies. And in her, the way that it dealt with that 
not only how sexuality is in our world now, how it might be in 10 to 15 years, but also with the operating system, mm-hmm. with, what's her name? Samantha. Thank you. Mm-hmm. With Samantha, um, I like the way that it dealt with them completely on the level. Yeah. Let's do, okay, what if a dude fell in love with his operating system? And I don't want to delve too much into this, but, and they want it to be intimate. Right. Oh, yeah. And it's... How would that happen? And how would it feel for both of them? Right. And, you know, just, and it, and it never played that for cheap laughs. No, it's tastefully done. It's, and, and, yeah, and, but it, yeah, tastefully done, totally, and uh, uh, realistically and Realistic. tastefully done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the first time, And yeah. I appreciated that. As someone who, who, you know, I don't say this very often, but maybe some might call a prude in some ways. Like, I just really appreciate, like, no, this is adding something to this relationship. It's adding something to our understanding of this world. Right. It's adding something to to understanding what's going on in the operating system's head as well as his. Like, And that's not easy to pull off. No. In a way that's believable and, and uh, you know, tasteful, just to use your word one more time. Right, because I, I remember sitting there the first time I saw it, right after that scene where it just goes dark, you know, for 30 yes. seconds uh-huh. or a minute or whatever, uh-huh. and thinking, like, I can't believe that that was just a plot point in the story and that I didn't feel like it wasn't insane, you know, yeah. like, and that it was done in a way that I wasn't like, I, this is weird. And people weren't like walking out of the movie. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And people <laughs> yeah. might think it's weird just in their minds thinking this is what's happening in mm-hmm. the scene. Maybe, maybe yeah. some people wouldn't depending on what your life is. It's all, <laughs> it's all well and good. It's all well and good. Right. But, but the weirdness only comes from you, from you saying like, what would this really look like? Yeah. Like, probably like this. And maybe I'm weirded out by that because mm-hmm. I don't want it to be this. Right, right. But it's this. And that's, that's, I mean, and maybe that's, you know, what, Where the Wild Things 2000, what'd you say? Nine? 2009. Mm-hmm. And then her to 2013. Yeah. Uh, so four years. And I, it seems like he put a lot into that script during that time. Yeah. And I think it really shows. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I love that the, the whole thing is kind of like, for me, it works as just a metaphor about what it's like in a relationship when people change. Yeah, you know? and even just period, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, just period. Without the OS system, like, right. and that's the genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, keep going. Yeah, and so it's, well, I mean, that that's kind of it. Just, I, um, and there's specific scenes of dialogue that address that, but it's just so, it's, it resonates with me a ton. That's why yeah. it's my favorite movie, because, yeah, you see, you see a relationship, you know, from um, start to, finish um but it's yeah it's amazing that it was such an accomplishment that that's what it's about and that it feels the way it does yeah and i need to say one last thing because i reviewed it when i watched it the first time on dvd and i gave it a b plus on the on the site and a big part of that for me was i had some um what's the right word to say personal issues that's wrong because it sounds like i'm talking about something i just mean the way that i dealt with the ending i didn't like it Okay. The first time. And I said that in the review. I said to me, it just built up to this moment and then it felt very, I don't even know what the right word is. It felt like the through line you were taking me on was abandoned for this other through line I didn't see, which could have been my fault, you know? And so I was really kind of disenchanted with the ending the first time and that dragged it down enough for, to, for me to give it a B plus, which is a good grade and I liked it a ton the first time. Mm-hmm. But knowing where it was going as far as that specific plot point, like how the movie finishes. I know we said mini spoiler alert, but like how their relationship quote unquote ends. Knowing that point made, I I liked it so much more. Yeah. 
the second time, mm-hmm. which was just a couple of days ago, um, because it, just understanding throughout and seeing better kind of the, the, the hints that were dropped, if you will, that sounds so like, that's not as, as, as I'm going to go eloquent again. Eloquent is what he does, but mm-hmm. the, the small things that lead up to that were much more telling for me. Throughout, and then I could know that that was coming and think about it in some different ways. Not in the I'm disappointed as a moviegoer way, but more so in what does this mean about the plot and stuff and the yeah. way people change, like you talked about, in a right. relationship. I also, the very, very end, like literally the last scene or whatever, last time for me was not as satisfying as it was this time. Oh, really? I this love it. This time it was very satisfying. And that was a big difference. If I had been unsatisfied with the end again, Where the Wild Things Are would have been number one and I wouldn't have even blinked. Mm-hmm. Um, but... That those last parts, kind of how their relationship ends, combined with, and I'm trying to be careful here, but with the kind of ambiguous but life goes on final scene. Yes. It worked for me so much better than it did the first time. And I can't even explain why. I think maybe just knowing that it was coming right. and being able to watch all the relationships in the movie a little more carefully and closely mm-hmm. and feel like, oh yeah, like the first time I think maybe I was just programmed by some other stuff to expect X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Um, and and that was a big part of it for me was appreciating the ending better because endings are so important to me as a moviegoer and the first time it was enough to bring it down to like a B plus right very similar to Ex Machina for that matter they're totally different movies but Ex Machina the second time I saw I gave it a B plus also on the site I was very very let down by the ending and the second time knowing it was coming you liked it I liked it a lot better nice and both of those would move up because I think I would give you know if Chad Durham was giving great I'd give an A to her and an A to where the wild things are and a B plus is obviously a lot lower than that but the ending the first time was just it didn't work for me and then the second time uh, it was all me the first time not really appreciating what was going on right that was a that was pretty much the whole difference okay that really bumps it up into the upper echelon of, of great movies Versus one that I loved and thought didn't quite stick the landing the first yeah. time. Good. Yeah, the ending to me is beautiful when he and Amy go up on the roof. And yeah. the way they look at each other at the end, it's amazing. And my, I guess my final thought on, on her is just that um, what I found, what I still find every time, um, is that there are some movies, even some of Spike Jones's movies, um, like Adaptation maybe, where it's the plot that after I have... I have to sit there and be like, okay, I need to mentally review what just happened, you know, and like fully process it. Um, with her, I have the emotional equivalent of that. Like it's, it's nice. a lot for me to emotionally digest and it, it takes me a minute to, uh, you just have these emotional scenes. There's so many of them, not in a way that it saturates it, but just, they fly by to me in a way where I'm like, oh wait, like I want I wanted to feel that live more. In here for yeah. a little while. Yeah. And so I usually just have to lay down for, for a minute. Which is a big shout out. And I can't believe we haven't said anything about this yet to Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Who is amazing. He is amazing. And and just really creates a character that feels like a real dude. Yeah. Um, A real creepy dude. Awkward in some ways. Yeah, that scene is, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That scene is interesting because it, it, that scene actually played better for me the first time than the second time. The second time I had to think about it a little bit. Um, But yeah, there is a creepy aspect to him in some ways. Mm -hmm. But also he has a lot of friends and he does okay. And I uh, I love the way that it kind of gives us this disconnected world without ever dwelling on the disconnect. You see people talking to their yeah. the whole time, but it's not like, don't let this happen right. to you. <laughs> um, anyway, but Joaquin Phoenix, I, I, I feel like we would have been remiss if we didn't mention oh, yeah. what a strong, strong performance he gives. Fantastic. Um, in it. And then there's a really 
uh, I, I shouldn't say bizarre because that harkens back to being John Malkovich, but um, silly cameo by Kristen Wiig in oh, a yeah. scene that is just... Sexy kitten. Yeah, it's very weird, but like totally in the world that they're living yeah. in. Like I, I, I'm only... I, anyway, she's... <laughs> I'm only weirded out because of her character. Yeah. And she seems like a person who could really be a person, but right. I don't want that person to exist. <laughs> and and she's very funny. She's just a voice. Bill Hader's actually a voice I too, just but he's learned only that in today. it for a second. Yeah. <laughs> He's the voice right before her, I think. Yeah, you just he hear him is. for a second. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, the long, the short version of this is you should see, I say all four. Jake oh, yeah. says probably all four, no, but at least the other three. I say right? see where the wild things are because it's it's important, I think, in like a challenging movie experience. And yeah. for that reason, I think people should see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, if you've seen them before, I would highly recommend seeing them all again because I think all of them benefit from a second viewing. Yeah. Even though with adaptation I didn't appreciate it as much, I think it you bet you benefit watching them again to really understand in the first couple what Kaufman and Jones are doing and in the second couple what Spike Jones is doing as a filmmaker, as an idea man, as a uh, purveyor of what is life. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Alrighty, thank you. And if you've been on Facebook Live, <laughs> we really appreciate you being with us. Movies you're excited about really quickly? Um haven't Anything? seen Arrival yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning to go that. on Tuesday. Okay. Hopefully, um, this Tuesday for Arrival with Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner. It's done by Dennis Villeneuve, who did uh, Sicario. Sicario and Prisoners. Um, and I'm excited. It's getting crazy critical acclaim. Yeah. And I, I'm all on board with him. And it's shot by the Selma guy, who also shot A Most Violent Year, Bradford Young. Oh, okay. And I, I'm all on board with Dennis Villeneuve after seeing Sicario, which I just thought was a masterpiece of movie making. So right. I'm excited to see if, yeah. if this can resonate. Maybe even more than that, because that was a colder movie, Sicario, yeah. but with some movie making that just knocked me out. Mm-hmm. Um, also excited, of course, about Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, um, the reviews are starting to come out, and they're like measured. They're like, they're like, they're like yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I know. And now I'm like, I want to avoid reading them because <laughs> yeah. you don't want my, you know, my me to be uh, uh, kind of uh, affected by that. Right, and also on the indie side, um, a I believe Korean movie called The, the Handmaiden, Handmaiden um, coming to a theater near us this week. <laughs> nice. Um, and then I think Loving's the week after that. So yeah, yeah. Some good stuff coming. Yeah, up. Yeah, Loving. Uh, Mike Nichols, if you've seen Mud or Take Shelter, uh, or even Midnight Special, um, I've heard it's pretty straightforward. Loving, like. Maybe it's not going to like wow you with the plot points, but it's such an right. important movie, yeah. and the two of them are supposedly just really, really good. Right. Um, I only know her from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, I, I saw her in Agents anything. of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. Um, but but she she supposedly is just lights out. And then go see Moonlight. Go see Moonlight. And I'll go see it as well. Cool. Yeah, thanks. Thank you out there in Facebook land, and thank you on uh, podcast listeners. Please rate us on iTunes if you feel so inclined. Even if you're going to give us a bad review, we won't stop Just you because at least we'll see what some people are thinking. Uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and of course, rogueotours.com where you can see our streaming picks of the week and you can see our, our more fully fleshed out reviews, Jake with certain women. I haven't written one, I think, since Hell or High Water, so that's on me. Uh, but also Jake's review of American Honey. And then Sing Street and Dope are on uh, Netflix, so you should watch them if you haven't. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks.